You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Welcome, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello. How, how are you doing? <laughs> Great. You good? You're pretending like we weren't just talking about 25 seconds ago. Uh, I was trying to surprise you. <laughs> and pretend to put on a show for the peeps. Yeah. Uh, I'm just the same as I was 30 seconds ago. I'm good. So you're just fine. I'm just fine. Have you got anything to say before we start the show? Nothing except what I just observed when I did a search. I'm trying to learn how to do photo portraits, you know, of people. I do, I do or, know or pets, that. I suppose I get. And I just did on Pinterest. I like to collect samples of things to kind of educate my brain. I do male portrait. And I'm not even kidding. It's like every, almost every single one of them is naked from the shoulders up with this sort of like notched heads to one direction. I'm like, oh, like it's a thing. Would you like me to take a naked portrait of you? No. <laughs> so that's it. That's what I'm doing. And I'm also playing City Skylines. And I'm doing this podcast uh, with AceGully.com, who happens to be my husband. And that is not the name on the marriage certificate, by the way. Sid Talk and AceGully.com are not the names. I mean, they might be. Not our official names. All right. It's Saturday, August the 20th. This is after the show, number 750. We are a movie review podcast, and every week we look at a new movie. This week's movie we're looking at is Resurrection. It's a 2022 movie. You can watch it on the streaming network Shudder right now, which is a horror streaming network. It's not rated, and it's from our friends at IFC Films, who sent us a copy to review. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of the movie Resurrection. A woman is tormented by her past, and shit gets weird. I'll give you the one off the box. That's not on the box? No. (laughs) Margaret's life is in order. She is capable, disciplined, and successful. Everything is under control. That is until David returns, carrying with him the horrors of Margaret's past. That's fair. That's totally fair. It is fair. (laughs) So, Sid Talk, Resurrection, how did you like this movie? It's one of those that if you say, I enjoyed it, and someone else watches it, they're going to be like, what? <laughs> you seem like a sick weirdo. <laughs> Although the the bulk of the movie, we're talking 99.9% of the movie, it's just a, a study in a woman who's being tormented by either the memories of the past or the trauma. Truth, yeah, trauma, the truth about the past or a delusion about the past. Some dude who was in her past and now he's back and he's... Seems to be a real fucking asshole. There you go. There's the adult language for the week. So that's what you're dealing with most of the time is her reacting and falling apart. Then shit gets weird. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, and I enjoyed it because the performances in this movie, every single person who we spend any time with is compelling. And in, even the young woman in her office who she speaks to, sort of counseling to this younger employee lady probably an intern because she talks about how she's almost done with her time there or whatever even that young woman uh, awesome for doing her you know short scenes the daughter amazing what's his face yeah king of the apes guy excellent king of the apes. <laughs> Land of the apes guy amazing even the boyfriend guy from work that she's having sex with you know a totally totally by him as that guy so i feel like i was just sort of lulled by watching people really get into these parts and then her descent into like just falling apart was really quality every detail it wasn't like all of a sudden there's a scene where now she's disheveled it was just little tiny bits and then all of a sudden you're like you're realizing whoa over the last few scenes she has her clothes got a little more wrinkly her hair got a little bit weird she's sweating more than she was she looks like she's got bags under her eyes you know what I mean like I really was compelled by all of that and by this woman, you know, she's kind of preaching to the young woman in the office about being weak, like you're stronger than that and don't put up with that asshole's bullshit and don't let him put you down. And so you're like, oh, so this woman is no nonsense. 
But what we find out is whatever broke her or whatever's broken in her from her past steals away her strength as well, right? It makes her the person and you're going like, why are you doing this? Why are you choosing to follow him? Why are you entertaining this person at all? Like, right? Either just kill him, which I'm not advocating. I'm just saying in this world where she's living, that's totally plausible because he's terrible or we think he's terrible. Or definitely go to the police, which she tries, obviously, to no avail. But that whole thing is reflective of how traumatized she is. And she's trying to make this young woman not be weak because I think inside she knows that she's been weak or perceives herself as weak. And that's just like chewing her up, you know? Yeah. So this plays out like it isn't really a horror movie, I wouldn't say. it's. Inf- there's elements of horror towards the end, let's say. Agree. Most of the movie is a psychological drama. Agree. And it plays out in, like, I've seen other films like this, the way it plays out. You know, it feels very minimalist. Is that? Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. It has a very good script, I think, is what, it's the script and the actors that really suck you in because you believe the people. You Absolutely. Know? And I really, like, um, Margaret's just like a, she's just really selling it. Tour de force, that lady. Yeah, even when she's just being Margaret at the beginning, where she's not, where she's just regular Margaret before (laughs) everything goes weird. Regular old Margaret. (laughs) Before Toothgate, let's say. Oh my. That's pretty much the catalyst for everything to start and going weird. It seems like it. It's one of these like small, you know what it reminded me of a little bit? It probably isn't anything like it, but it's uh, Pacific Heights. How? Yes. uh, how you introduce to the fella, he seems okay. And I then can't it, what you're throwing. Yeah, and then it slowly becomes this nightmare. Yeah. Like very slowly. So that's one of the movies that I would probably recommend, but that's what it but it's a lot more effed up, let's say, than Pacific Heights. Pacific Heights is very eighties. Yeah, it's what like you say. It's very much like basic instinct or one of those type of movies, right? Well, I mean, she was a murderer, but Ham the Rocks the Cradle. Yeah. Those types, like where it, you know, usually, you know how I equate those movies? They kind of end up like Marvel movies at the end. There's just a battle between the two people. Yeah. Marvel didn't invent that. On a smaller scale, yeah. But this movie has got like an element of grotesque craziness to it. Not, It's not for everybody, let's say. True. And it's not the whole thing. It's just that when you It's get- just the end part. <laughs> yeah. So We're not we- really selling it, but I really enjoyed it. Well, let's- <laughs> Let's say from this point there'll be spoilers because it'd be hard to discuss what's going on without talking about what's going on. True. So in the middle of this movie, Margaret delivers like this monologue, which is excellent. It's like the best part of the movie, I think. Yep. Because she tells the whole story. You're not really privy to what's going on until this point. Correct. And then she tells another person everything that happened to her when she was younger. And it's... Horrific, to say the least. At the hands of this dude who she is seeing reappearing in her life. Right. So this whole monologue, which is awesomely like presented, as soon as it ends, it makes you like 100% more terrified of this guy. Correct. Because it is insane what she says. You're like, is that all true? Because that just seems like a lot. Yeah, that can't be right. That can't <laughs> it's be right. It's a lot of stuff <laughs> you've just said. But I just took it. I was like, okay, that's what happened. And then the next time I see the Tim Roth character, I'm like, oh my God, what a horrible monster. So it really like worked. But then I, there was moments in this movie, a lot of the time where I'm like second guessing going, are we seeing what is really happening? Or is this imagination? Is this, did this even happen? And it's hard to explain why. It's not done in any sort of stylistic ways. You don't get weird camera work or coloration or or sound sometimes in movies where if you watch it again you realize oh all these scenes are amped up in the color or the sound is a little bit off or whatever or there's a different picture on the wall right, right. but this has none of that so you're just all you're going on is that seems a bit too insane yeah we've introduced the idea of this person who sounds like a complete Crazy person, like crazy person as in maniacally evil crazy, not like mentally yeah. ill, like horrific. And the fact that this young woman, when she was a young woman, basically was 
traumatized by it and in her mind put up with it and went along with it. You know what I mean? Her perception is that she was weak and that's why she fell for it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're kind of like, oh, but is she now mentally ill because she's coping with the trauma and we're not getting the full truth? Or has she always had some mental health issues and maybe none of that's true? Yeah. You question it, which I liked. It's very stimulating. Yeah, I definitely questioned it a lot because it started to cross the threshold of that sounds insane. How could that happen? Right. Explain what she says during the monologue. Uh, the main the brief, crux of it. The main crux of it was she was 18 years old. This older guy introduced himself to her and her parents who were hippy-dippy biologists. He was a scientist. He kind of wooed them all. Eventually starts training her to do these kindnesses, which sound like horrible torture trials, and then rewarding her. At some point, she gets pregnant. Then he stops paying attention to her. And in her own words, he paid attention to me. He made me feel important. And then she has this baby with him. He stops paying attention to her. She goes to the store one day. When she comes back, the child is no longer there, like just gone. Okay, this sounds really awful. So this is a big spoiler. I mean, this is, this moment is where you're like, did this that is, really happen? Yeah, this is where you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Up until now, it's just been creepy stalker guy, yeah. right? She says that he told her that he ate the baby. Okay, I know. Now don't run away screaming and crying and don't turn off this podcast because it's not, you don't get any, you don't get any like. Just matter of fact. Yes, it's matter of fact. We don't go back to that moment. There's no flashbacks or anything. She does have one nightmare about a baby. It's palatable. It's terrible, but it's not cannibalism. <laughs> this, I'm not making this sound like what we're making it sound like. Like it's an, a high-quality, entertaining movie. I mean, she, she also said, I came home, The two of the baby's fingers were on the counter. Yes. And the baby was and no more. And he says there was no more baby and he had consumed the child consumed and then started it. torturing her by telling her when she was 18 and 19 and had this child. And now the child's gone that he had, that the baby's now inside of him just as a baby and is crying for its mother and blah, blah, blah. She eventually runs away. She, she escapes this crazy person, that guy, she goes to America and now he's showed up again and his crazy premise, at least the encounters we have with her, you still, by the end, you still have to question whether they were all really what we see, right? Yeah. be all in her mind. But I'm thinking it's real. Like he's, I'm going with the theory that he's really this crazy person. Not that he did what he said he did or whatever. He comes back to her life and then she just triggers into this like self-defense trauma mode. Oh, just think about if that's real and now she's trying to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my gosh. See, I thought immediately after hearing of all these actions, I was like, okay, so this movie comes down on one or two sides. One. Tim Roth's character is a weird baby-eating monster, right? Because okay. we could go, it could be that far. As presented crazy. to us, yes. Yes. You know, who manipulates people because he needs to feed on babies. Let's say that. Or, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. You are, ooh, you're <laughs> yeah. dark. That's dark Well, I mean, if right we've there. seen enough horror movies to... True. Okay, know. so that's adding a whole other layer to something I didn't even so think So that about. was my first thought. And then okay. I was like... This movie's not really presented to you in like an insane way like that, though. It seems pretty ordinary. True. Almost. So I was like, I'll knock that on the head and I'll go with the other thing. And the other <laughs> thing is that Tim Roth guy kind of groomed her when she was younger, had his way with her, basically. Maybe there was a baby, maybe there wasn't. She was completely traumatized by what he did. And he made her do these weird things called, what were they called? Kindness. Kindnesses, which could be, yeah, you do a thing for me and then I'll reward you for it. Even now in the present, he gets her to do another one where it's sitting in the park barefoot in a very strenuous yoga pose for like 12 hours. Yeah. And if she doesn't do this, he'll know and he'll go and harm her daughter who she has had in the meantime. She has an 18-year-old daughter, by the way, as well. And all I think the kindnesses are, I don't think it matters what the physical act is. I think all it matters is that he's got control over her. Absolutely. He says, you go to work every day now with no shoes on. Absolutely. And so he can look at that and go, Haha, she just does everything I say. Cool. 
Yeah, and we never get any hint of why he is the way he is or anything. We don't no. get any like hint of his past. We don't see another person who claims he's done this to them or we know he's a biologist, but she know there's never even like a little hint of a reason. And maybe if you looked at the Google searches that she does, if you read real close, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she does Google searches for this guy and he's, you know, scientist or whatever. If you looked real close, maybe you could see, maybe that's part of it is like human behavioral study, something. We have no explanation for why he's... No. She does claim he's using her as a muse and that he's inspired to do his work and then all of a sudden he wasn't, so who knows. But then you don't even see that he's getting off on it because when she goes to work with bare feet, we don't ever see him going, ooh. True. You don't even have that kind of connection. You're just like, oh, well, he gives her something to do and she does it without question. She just does it because... What? She's still traumatized by him? She's scared of him? That's what I think the that trauma is so deep that you don't escape it, you know? But those things are more terrifying than the ending for me. The whole the monologue she says, that whole story there, just on its own as a short film, is really effective, I think. Oh yeah. If you just if she just sat and told the camera that story and then it went to the end, I would be like, wow, that was pretty like traumatizing. Because what a story. I mean, is it a story or is it the real thing? Exactly. So I never quite knew. Now, the movie at the very end goes to this hotel room. They actually, you know, finally have a showdown together, basically. And the showdown gets crazy. We watched the movie Men a few weeks back, and that movie had an insane showdown that you didn't see coming. This isn't like that. No. Men is a whole other level. But this is another (laughs) like showdown where I wasn't expecting it to go this far. True. She basically stabs him and then cuts open his stomach and proceeds to pull out a baby. That's pretty much what we see happening. (laughs) Let's let's caveat that. So let's say that while he was telling her throughout the movie, you know, like your son's inside me, he needs his mother, he's crying. And then there is a baby inside him, which she kills him and removes it. And then the very final scene is her with the baby, all safe. The end, right? Except? Except. (laughs) In my eyes, just from watching lots and lots of movies, that end scene, which I felt was unnecessary, to be fair. The very, very end scene. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's her in this, like, kind of white room. Kind of dreamy. It's kind of glowy. Let's say the word glowy and dreamy. Glowy and dreamy. She's got a new baby in her arms. Her, her other daughter's there, and everything's going to be all right. The end. Well, it's clear that that's not really. But it wasn't the end. She gasped, and I don't. Yeah. That was very, very pivotal because throughout the movie, she's had two other bad dreams, and each time when she wakes up from these terrible dreams, she goes <gasps> right. And then at the end, she's sitting there in this dreamy moment, and she's got this baby in her arms, and the daughter is like. Everyone's ignoring the fact that there could potentially have been a dead man in a hotel room and that this mother has gone a little bit yeah. off the deep end. And then all of a sudden she goes from having this really nice look on her face to terrified. And then she goes, <gasps> exactly the same as when she wakes up from her other night. Which I don't like that ending because it makes it kind of cheaper than it, mm. what it is. like. And let's be clear, that's it. That's yeah, the last frame of the movie. So you don't get any other like, oh, well, and what really happened? It's the type of ending that you can take straight up. You can go, oh, she really pulled a child out of a man and uh, now she's happy ever after. Or and you it's can fucked go, up and we just have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> or you can go, she was crazy and this is just in her mind. Like she's actually sitting in a prison cell right now. Or she's in the hotel room with his blood and guts on her hand and she's trying yeah. to cope with what she's done. Because actually maybe he's just a guy that she knew. And all of it was in her head. Like, it's a possibility. Yeah. And now she's killed this guy. And in her mind, she's just gone to this other place. And then she wakes herself up like, oh, <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, I so like y- that. I like stimulating. I mean, I don't love that it seems like an unfinished story, which is one thing I harp about. But I like that you go, well, hold on. You know, it's uh, because it's so well done, all of it. I, I can accept Yeah, it's it. very high quality in terms of, act, you know, the actors are obviously yes. like top of the game kind of actors. If this was made in a different way and it was kind of like a really B movie, like with lower grade actors, let's say, and not as good special effects and things like that, 
it might just come across as hokey, but it comes across that ending. See, my ending is better. (laughs) So my ending is they're in the hotel room. She cuts open his belly. And the camera like goes over the top to look inside when you would ordinarily see in the movie, the baby. And you see nothing, just his guts. And then it ends. I would have had it that way. But that's then 100% that this woman is mentally ill. And we don't necessarily, that's not necessarily the story, right? I think I fall on the side of that she is, or that Tim Roth is, you know, crazy uh, child eating, um, what do you call it? Succubus. What? You've made up a whole bunch of stuff to go with this movie. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like he needs to, like he needs to do that and then he needs to consume the baby. Good Lord. You have seen a lot of crazy ass shit. I mean, you could go that way. You could. It is a horror movie. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But it isn't. You just said it's not a horror movie. Well, it's on the Shudder Network, so it's got an element of horror to it. So I would have done it that way. I think I would have preferred there to be a answer to the question of what's going on. And ah, I, you don't always have that. And I think the answer to the question really is that white room. I think that makes it pretty clear that it's not real. Absolutely. If it didn't have the white room bit, I think I would have been like, I don't really know. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. But that white room seems to stamp it. This is what it was. But it still doesn't answer the question of, what did this guy really do to her? Did this guy really exist? Is she just a traumatized person from something else? Or exactly. Whatever? Did she make up this guy? Then you keep going back and going, oh, hold on. Did we ever see him with her and anybody else? Mm. We didn't. If you think of, oh yeah, we did. We saw him in the cafe when they were in the cafe. Yeah. And someone did wait on him. Yeah. There was a cup of, I mean, that's where you have to go in your mind. Like, is it, I see dead children. I yeah. mean, I see dead people. Or, <laughs> I see know. dead people guy. Or you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Was he never there? And then there's a section in the movie in the middle where she follows him for a, a couple of days or maybe three or four days. And he just does like nothing, right? He does nothing. He's a trap. He knows she's following yeah. him. He's making a routine so that she will follow him. And so that there will come a time when she comes to confront him, which is part of his plan. So that's what he's doing. He's got all the time in the world, I guess. Because he would have just done that until she confronted him, which could have been years. No, I think he thought that he knows her so well. If she's legit in how she told the story, that's where I'm going with it. Right. Is that he's a maniacal dick and he just loves the idea of like, yep, I'm reeling her in. I'm the bait and she's the the fish. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) but however way you look at it there's still something fishy going on because he's like turning up in a life and he's i don't know is he is there something fishy going on is he threatening her hmm well see now you're questioning your own sanity what about the tooth there's a tooth yep he's missing a tooth let's say before we meet him the first time and the daughter finds a tooth in their apartment it wasn't in an apartment. She found it in her coin purse in her bag. Right. So that, that was in he, her apartment. He met, no, it's, she was at school. She said, I don't know. Oh, I found it school, today. Yeah. yeah. So he knows who this woman is, obviously. He's tracked her down. He's tracked down the daughter. He's followed the daughter and slipped one of his teeth into the coin so purse. So it's 100% that he's harassing them. Yes, but is it harassment, right? The police are like, well, has he done anything? What I mean is it's not in her mind because the daughter is in on that too. Correct. So he hundred percent he's harassing them for some reason. I think if her if you're following what she said and it's all true, let's say he is a horrible person and killed the baby and he's like this maniacal scientist, biologist or whatever, and now he's he's like craving for her to come back so he can maybe he hasn't been able to find anyone else that he's been able to manipulate quite as hardcore as her and he needs it. Mm. Right? So if he gets her back in his life, he knows her. Because he keeps saying to her, I know you. I know who you really are. They don't know who you really are. Yeah, because they had a relationship. Right. And he knows he can come, because he has already completely controlled her. And so I feel like if it's all true, he's come back because now he needs, he needs that again. Because she did make a point in the beginning of saying when she first met him, 
all of a sudden she felt actually wanted and appreciated in life. And I feel like that's a theme throughout. Yeah. So let's get on to the cast here. Overall, did you like the story playing out? I did. I mean. I did too. I don't always prefer that they take what I think of as the easy way out and be like, oh, here's a shocking end scene. The end. Yeah. Make up your own mind. Right. I I don't always love that because I feel like it's a bit of a, as Lee would say, it's a bit cheap. For yeah. some reason, I didn't mind it. Sometimes it feels, and this one I think especially felt like this for me, that this really well-acted, interesting plot that I'm on the edge of my seat with, like, and then when it comes to the finale, I'm quite disappointed by it because it doesn't feel as clever as the rest of it. Exactly. And I kind of felt that way about men, to be honest. Right. I mean, as weird as it was, and you're like, whoa, your mind is totally blown, it still doesn't live up to kind of like the promise of what it felt like it could be. Does that sound too hoity-toity? I mean, the ending might work perfectly for you, but for me, it kind of detracts a little bit. But then the sum of the rest of it, because of how well it's acted and everything, I just really like it. So let's move on to the cast. Talking of acting, Rebecca Hall plays Margaret. What do you think of Rebecca? Amazing. I mean, she is always amazing, I think. We've seen Tour her. Tour de force. Seen her in, yeah, and in this, she's really selling that lady. There's a lot to it as well. Absolutely. You also see the uh, downfall of her in this movie because she's very well put together. She goes to work every day. She says the right things to everybody. She's very... Commanding. You know, she's good at the job. Mm-hmm. And people look up to her. Perfect. And people even want to talk to her, you know, like... About, that young woman is the one who keeps dumping her problems on yeah, her. Yeah, tell her about their issues and stuff. And she's, you know, got a bit of everything. Oh, I just had a thought. So if you think about that young woman coming into this lady's office yeah. on a regular basis, kind of spilling her guts, and now they even have their own little like saying, like when the young woman says to her, please don't tell anyone, she says, I would never, Fort Knox, you know, yeah. like I'm Fort Knox. She's kind of trained this young woman in a way to come in. You know, it sounds like the little, the little method is for the young woman to come to the door and say, I was wondering if we could go over something or other and then her come in and then her spill all the gory details. a little bit. Yes. And then this woman having the sort of like power or control to be able to say to her, tell him to fuck off and tell, lose that guy and ditch that guy, right? So she's kind of formed her own little more harmless <laughs> version. Of manipulation. Yeah. I yeah. just thought that. I'm pretty smart. Yeah. Rebecca Hall is the reason to watch this. She's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Tim Roth, also amazing. David, he plays. He, it's so creepy. You could say he's creepy, or you could say like he's completely innocent in this. Who knows? He doesn't seem innocent. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sense of innocence. Tim ever. Roth is really good at playing a creep, though. He really eases into it. At first, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not who you think I am. I don't know who you are. And then he says one little thing, and then another little thing, and then you're like, oh, what she said was true. Yeah, he says, when he's on that bench... Because you're a bit shell-shocked as a viewer. You're like, hold on, she's terrified of this guy, but now she's going to approach him and say something. So I'm like, oh, this this is horrifying. So she goes up to him and he says, I'm not who you think I am. Go away. And then he looks down and says, Ben's inside me. Yeah. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah, we don't even know (laughs) that part of the story yet. That's like, uh, what? And that's when you're like, oh. what the? When she starts to tell the young woman, I've done a horrible thing. And this guy keeps showing up. Okay, my mind went to, she murdered this guy, because the name of the movie is Resurrection. Yeah. She murdered this guy at some point in her, before. Maybe it's the father of her daughter, right? I had no details yet. She murdered him, buried him somewhere. Her company's about like cellular regeneration and something biological, and her parents were biologists, and now she tells us a story about this dude, and I'm like, holy, hold on, hold on. Maybe he's come back, like he's been resurrected to haunt her. But then I was wrong. I was making that shit up, but still. Now, they kept like keeping it on the down low. Like you kept hearing conversations in the background, like when she's at work, all that seminar that she's at. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff. Yeah, it was talking about research and and you kept thinking. Human cells. This has to be something to do with what's going on, right? Because they keep kind of bringing it up. Yeah. But it actually isn't or is it? Exactly. Maybe we could apply it to it. Exactly. We've got Grace Kaufman as Abby. That's the daughter. What Amazing. She was excellent. She was. 
Michael Esper as Peter. He's the guy that she's, you know, her boyfriend, basically, from work. I mean, she's just having sex with him. Yeah. He's just another guy from work. Yeah. And he's in love with her, but she's just having sex with him. Yeah. Right. I I thought he played it well, too, especially the scene where she just, like, goes off on him in the street. Yeah. I was like, poor guy. So, directed by Andrew... I mean, he's not a poor guy. He's married and has a child, and he's having an affair with this woman. So, he's not exactly like Mr. Well, in that instance, when he's telling her he loves her. (laughs) Yeah, when he's telling another woman that he loves her. she's saying, fuck you. Um, He has a child, and he's married, and he's in the street telling this troubled woman, but I'm in love with you. So, yeah. I like what she said to him. Once you fuck somebody, you think you love them or you hate them. Yeah. (laughs) She was very angry (laughs) at the moment, at that particular moment. So this is directed by Andrew Siemens, and he directed Nancy Please, which I don't know, and a bunch of short films. So what did you think of this directing? That was really good. There's, It's well paced. It looks gorgeous. I do think minimalist mm-hmm. is a good, because it... It's functional. It's y- kind of like smacks of, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood style. Yeah, there's like a few locations, not a ton. And it's all, it's economical, but it does tell the story well. Yes, agree. Extras, there were no extras. Scores, let's give this, well, let's not give this movie a score yet. Let's give it some IMDb reviews. What are those? Those are reviews on a website called imdb.com. And you like to read the one stars because, I mean, it's fascinating what people take their time. You and I are taking a couple hours out of our life to have this conversation, record it, and share it with the world. What people don't know is we would have this conversation anyway. We probably wouldn't have a little diagram of what we're supposed to say next, like, you know, what's for supper. Hey, don't give, don't give the uh, <laughs> secrets of after the show. There's an outline of all the sections, right? So that's fine. It's not word for word. It's just a little guideline. We don't do that in real life, but we would still be having this conversation. All right, here we go. These are the people who give it one star. The first guy says, awful. <laughs> I want 1.5 hours of my life back. <gasps> it's a classic. I don't care how good Rebecca Hall is at acting. The whole movie's a waste of time and the ending's a joke. I'd rather watch Sir David Attenborough documentaries. Oh. What? <laughs> Very specific. Is that an insult to Sir David Attenborough? Because they're Oh, fantastic. I think it is. I think he's saying that David Attenborough sucks and it's boring. What? Well, that's... What kind of a monster is this? Take away his IMDb privileges. All right, second guy says, what a load of rubbish. I'm actually angry about this film. It's absolute crap. It wasted my time. He ate a baby and the baby's in him. Who thinks of this rubbish? Honestly, (laughs) don't bother watching it. Or maybe he didn't. Did you think of that? (laughs) (laughs) Did it occur to you that maybe there's some artistic weirdness going on? You just sometimes you got to accept that shit. Final person says, a disturbing yet not quite understandable little explanation film. (laughs) tries hard to be mysterious but fails on so many so many levels rebecca hall's aiming for an oscar probably otherwise i can see no reason for overacting and over-the-top reactions i mean that's very helpful and finally this movie isn't worth me talking about but i'll go and write on imdb (laughs) about it i will just say this though this movie's dumb it's about a man who carries a baby in his stomach just ridiculous so you're not even going to talk about it, but then <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and type that whole sentence just for us. I mean, Thank if you, you really look at it on the surface, you could say it's about a man with a baby in his stomach. If you didn't really think about anything. Yeah. And if just, you do want to go that direction, then you have to go, okay, okay, okay. Get my mind there because <laughs> I find it funny though, because a lot of people will be like, oh, ridiculous, but they'll watch Captain America and they'll be like, yeah. Right? They won't say, I want my 1.5 hours of my life back. Because of a man who's went to a fucking scientific experiment, (laughs) and now he's like the strongest man on Earth, and then there's a guy from somewhere in the galaxy who can snap his fingers and make half of all of life disappear. Oh, that's very plausible. But a man with a baby in his stomach for like semi-weirdish movie. (laughs) Like, everyone's stupid, don't you think? Yes. I mean, I'm putting myself, I'm part of everyone. Everyone just sounds so stupid sometimes. (laughs) All right, let's give Resurrection a score here. Of course, not the people listening to this. No. No. They're all geniuses. Now, I'm going to give Resurrection a 6 out of 10. 
I think six is fair. I do think it's fair because it's definitely above average and it will make you think at the end. And I do like a film that you you know, you know end up discussing because you're like, what the yeah. hell was that? I might give it a seven just because of that, because it gives me artistically a little bit of where were they going and what are we examining here and mental health and da-da-da and the style and the quality. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think seven is fair. All right, I'll give it a six, you give it a seven. Yeah. Next week, finally, we're going to be reviewing Top Gun Maverick. I like Top Gun. You know I've heard that? of Top Gun. Do you know that I like the original Top Gun? Yes. You do? I, yes. Tony Scott, great and movie. Tell everyone my opinion of the first one. You've never seen it? I have seen it. Oh, you have seen it. But that tells you a lot. I think you saw it once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you need to see it again before we see Top Gun Maverick? I think even back in the day when I would watch just like endless movies on VHS, like endlessly, I would watch for 10, 12 hours at a time, just movie after movie after movie. It made no impact. Oh, it made a big impact. I know that makes you want to divorce me, but hey. (laughs) I was a teenager. It had just the right music. Were you a teenager? What year was it? I was probably like 20. Was that a teenager? What year was it? 1986. Yeah, you're a teenager. I mean, I was 18. Was it 1986? I just made that up. I'll, I'll tell you. I will, okay. I will do some top quality internet searching. The internet search. Everyone does while it. We're on, it's, while it's we're on. It's a hip the with the kids to do the internet search. Okay, I did a search. 1986. Very good. <laughs> well, I was 18 and you're 18 months younger than me. As everyone So I was loves. a teenager. Yeah, barely. I just love it. I love it now. I could put it on now. You know the chime at the beginning where it goes, dong. No. As soon as the movie opens. The Harold Faltermeyer music comes up. You know, the, the Top Gun music. It goes dong. As soon as I hear that dong noise, I really hope they do it in the new movie. It just makes the airs on the back of my neck stand up. So it's like Pavlovian dong. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think so. That's like me with the beginning of movies like Wizard of Oz and Scrooged and the theme song to Bob's Burgers. As soon as it starts, I'm just like, ah. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. So Top Gun Maverick, that will be next week's movie. Yeah, that seems like an impossibility. <laughs> it's seen it's been such a long time. It has. You've been very worried about this movie. <laughs> I have. I've I've wanted to see it so badly, but then I've been it'll eventually we'll be able to review it. And now will be the time. So movie recommendations this week. I'm going well, Rebecca Hall, I was looking at movies that she'd been in. And I'll give you two great movies that she was in. The Town. Remember that one? Yes. What was she in the town? I don't know, but she was in it. I've not seen The Town for a long time. And she was also in Christopher Nolan's The Prestige, which I really mm. love. The Prestige has an um, amazing ending, let's say. The last five minutes. The Town, that's in America. That's like um, Ben Affleck, right? Yeah, that's the one. Directed it, and it's got Hawkeye in it? Yeah. Uh, no, Casey th- Affleck and Ben Affleck, right? Mm, I thought it was Hawkeye. He might have been in it, but I'm not I sure. I think he's the other guy. Right. Oh, yeah. You, you're right. Yeah. I he is in it. She was in that. Hmm. Well, I'm going back to the 90s and I'm in 1995, 1996-ish. I don't know for sure. And I don't want to put my mouse over there because my city skylines will scroll around. So I'm just going to go with what I've got. Dangerous Minds. Remember that one? Michelle Pfeiffer. That's the song. Strange Days with one of the... Strange Days is really cool. It's like a trippy... Futuristic yeah. kind of a thing. We're on the lines of Johnny Mnemonic where you can like live other people's experiences, right? Like some sort of yeah. injection or thing in your brain. I don't know. Welcome to the Dollhouse, which was kind of ahead of its time. It sort of, if I remember correctly, it kind of puts me in mind of, was it 8th grade? The name of that one movie of the girl who's in 8th grade and just awkward. Yeah, Welcome to the Dollhouse is pretty effed up if I remember. Is it? Yes. I don't remember the F-Dove part except for her being an awkward girl and you just were like, oh, this You might be thinking of the wrong thing. Really? Hmm. What are you thinking it is? Well, it's like she's a teenage girl and she's not conventionally attractive, but like she's got a nerdy brother and a cute little sister. So she's sort of like a reject, sort of like square pegs, but on acid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now I remember. I'm looking at the picture of it. Yeah. It's by that Todd Soland. He did The Happiness, which is awesome. You know, yeah. happiness with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, He's right. pretty messed up, that director. That's, so that's yeah. what I'm so, thinking of. And then the other ones are Leaving Las Vegas. Quality. Awesome. Another one about, like, just people being troubled and traumatized and dealing with things, however, we're not going to say the best that they can, but however they do. That's a Nicolas Cage and... Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue. I think they might have both got Academy Awards or at least nominations for that. I'm not for sure. And it might have even won that year. And then the little movie called Seven. Yeah, nobody's ever done anything as good as Seven in that genre, I don't think, since it came out. You mean you know? serial killer? Yeah, like something's like so, like it was pretty messed up. Oh, uh, yeah. And also really high quality. What's in the box? Man, what's in the box? It feels like it's like the pinnacle of that type of movie, like. Like, I, I feel seen, like it was the start of those movies. But then you, there was just a lot of like copycat ones that weren't very good. After Lots it. of serial killering movies in the late Maybe 90s. Zodiac was on a level with it. That wasn't in the 90s, though. No, later. But the Zodiac was based on a, the true story-ish yeah. of the Zodiac killer and the guy who tried to track him down. So that's it. Those are my five recommendations from the 90s. There's no illusion, no eluding to inequality here. It's just I've seen them, and now I'm telling you that I've seen them. Ace Scully stuff this week. I've been playing, well, I've been playing a few games, but I'll just mention this one, and it's called Way of the Hunter. Did you see this game? I For like five seconds. Well, I'm not a hunter. I'm not into hunting. <laughs> I would never go hunting, you know? I know. I don't know. I, it doesn't appeal to me in any shape or form. And I don't think the video game really appeals to me in that way either. You said to me, I started to play it, and you said, are you into like a hunting game? And I'm like, well, I'll give it a go and see what it's like. And you're like, I mean, you're shooting the animals, right? That's the hunting game. Right. And that you said something about like, well, you could Yeah, shoot if you have an issue with that, like, ooh, I don't want to sit here killing animals yeah. in a game. But then you sit and play every other game where yeah, you're murdering. Yeah, and I don't have an issue with it. You're murdering tons of people or aliens or other creatures, but for some reason I think the idea of sneaking around, having a better weapon, and then the animal's just there, I find you it, just kill it. I, I would say. And like you I, think it's boring. <laughs> well, I appreciate the game because it's really well done. It's gorgeous. It, it's gorgeous, I didn't see yeah. It. It feels like it's the best view distance I've ever seen in a game. Like, I don't know why first-person shooters are not that good. Because you can look through your binoculars, like, and you stood on top of a mountain, and you can look across to the other side of another mountain and see a deer, and then it's so far away, like, you can still see it. Most video games, you can't look that far. So I'm impressed with that draw distance. But what I'm not impressed with, and it's just probably to do with hunting games in general... This is what a hunting game consists of. You wander around and the game gives you this like hunter vision, which in real life you wouldn't have, right? You would have to what? What do you do in real life? Do you have to... You have binoculars and a scope on your gun. Yeah. And what else? Like, are you um, looking for tracks? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. So you're looking for tracks in the game, but you I mean, you're asking me like I know, but I'm just saying, yes, you would look for all kinds of signs of the animal being present. So... That's what this game amounts to, right? So at first it's like, go and catch a deer. Are you looking for poop as well? Like different kinds of poop? So you wander around and you look for deer tracks and then you follow the deer tracks. And then eventually, I mean, I'm a terrible hunter and I'll tell you the end of my story here. (laughs) So I follow the deer tracks and the deer tracks lead me all the way down. I would say I was walking for about 25 minutes real time. I got down to this stream And at the stream, I looked at my hunter vision and it said, deer come here to drink very rarely. So I'm like, okay. So I walked across the river. I lay down in the field opposite the river, which is probably about 200 meters away from the stream. And I got on my little scope and I just lay in the field and I looked through the scope at the water where it says they come to drink. And then I lay there and I looked and I looked and I lay there and I lay there and I lay there and nothing happened. (laughs) <laughs> and nothing came. And I looked at my watch and I set a timer on my actual watch. I said, I'm going to sit here for like 30 minutes because that seems reasonable. Well, I did and nothing came, right? So I was like, well, maybe it's because it told me that it was rare that they come to drink there. So I went and wandered around a bit more. I found some poop, deer poop. Right on. 
I found some bushes that it said that they eat from frequently, which was like berries or something. I found the bushes with the berries on them. I wandered away from them enough distance, you know, like so I could see them through the scope if they got to the berries. I waited. I'd set my timer for 30 minutes again on my watch. Nothing happened. So then I got up in a, I wandered around a bit and I found one of those, what are they called where you climb up in them and look out? A deer stand. A deer stand. So I thought, well, a deer stand is probably there because there'd be deer around that area. So I go in the deer stand and I wait, timer on my watch, 30 minutes. I see nothing. I've not seen an animal yet <laughs> in this entire place. Actually. This game sounds exactly like hunting. It's pre- Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so then nothing. The next day I loaded it up again. I thought I'll, I'll wander around again and then I'll go and wait and see if I see anything. I did it again for about an hour, and I didn't see not one animal. I saw tracks, nothing, not even, I've not seen anything. I've not seen a badger, I've not seen a squirrel, I've not seen a deer. So they're very elusive to me. They're either, (laughs) the game's fucking with me and they're not actually there. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Maybe it's a bug. (laughs) Or it's a bug, and I've not got a chance because it's just me, and it's just pissing with me. I don't know. I feel like I'm in the Truman Show and all the animals have been removed. <laughs> and somebody's watching going, look at this idiot. Thinks he can kill something. <laughs> so that's way of the whole What hunter. they did was they put you on the internet and then you went in this game and the internet went and searched for it and they're like, this, this person. Look at this idiot. Loves to kill aliens and he loves to play shooter games. And you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to mess with him. I mean, this is coming from a non-hunter perspective and a non-video game playing hunting game person. So it's very realistic. There's guns. You've got a car that you can drive around in. You can hunt non-existent invisible animals, I guess. I'm sure there are animals. I just, I'm just, I don't know. My friend said to me, I said, I can't find any animals in this game. I don't think there are any. I think it's, I think they've all gone extinct. And he said... (laughs) You have to be really quiet. I said, okay, so I'm I'm going to literally just lie in this field. I ain't going to move. I'm going to lie down in the grass and wait. I'm going to wait for 30 minutes and see if anything happens. Nothing happened. And I even looked through my binoculars in the distance. Nothing. So <laughs> if you are good at this game and you have found animals, let me know. Because I'd be interested to see something. That's impressive. But if you like just walking around in the wilderness, great game. The Way of the Hunter, it's called. Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Well, you told me to decide, and so I decided Mod Pizza. We are not sponsored by anyone at all. If Mod Pizza would like to give us free pizza for the rest of my life, that'd be great, but they don't. So that's what we're having because I can order it, go on my little phone, ordered the exact same thing we ordered last time, go to the thing, it's ready, I come home. That's it. Or we can have it delivered. Sometimes they have free delivery. I'll have to check. But if you haven't had Mod Pizza, M-O-D Pizza, I really love it. I mean, I don't know about you. I won't speak for you. I love it. I love it. And then my advice. Did you ask me what my advice is? I didn't, but you you. can give it us. I know that people are very polarizing and we're all been brainwashed or most of us in the world are brainwashed. Like there's, it's all or nothing. I'm an all or nothing type of person when it comes to like, it's just my personality, right? So <laughs> I'm in the mood for painting now because I did a painting for my friend. So I went to Hobby Lobby and spent a shitload of money on canvases and brushes and paint because I'm all in. There's no medium for me. I'm just, I'm an excessive personality, right? If that, Is that a disorder of some kind? I don't know. But the all in overall culture thing is like you're all in. You're either one thing or the other. It's either this or that. And what I feel like a lot of people get the most setback in life is that there's the idea of failure and success and that's it, right? You get married, it's not working, it's a failure. You failed at marriage just because you two don't, something terrible is wrong or the two of you just realize we don't want to be married to each other anymore. I'm not advocating marriage or divorce, I'm just saying sometimes in life, just because the thing isn't, going in the direction that the whole world is steering it toward or has decided is the the standard doesn't mean it's a failure just because it isn't a quote unquote and I'm putting tick marks up in the air 
just because it's not a success that someone else has designed and, and written down in the world for you. It's just smashing you in the head and into your brain and all of social media and all of media everywhere and people in your life cramming it, shoving it into your brain constantly. This is what it looks like when it's a success. Oh, and it you didn't do it this way. You failed. So now you get to cope with it. <laughs> You're traumatized. We don't care, though, because we all fail constantly, too. And success is elusive and it's like impossible to get to because someone, again, has designed what it looks like. And I just think sometimes you have to remind yourself, like I do gardening stuff, right? Now, what some people would say, if you plant a tomato seed and then it grows up and it's a little tomatoes plant life and it doesn't make any tomatoes and then it dies as they do, it failed. You failed. You failed to grow a tomato on a fucking tomato plant. Well, in one sense, botanically, maybe <laughs> that plant failed to create its little offspring to make its seeds and whatever. But as a gardener person, I mean, someone listening right now is like, oh, you're just delusional. Of course you failed. It failed. But actually, it was a plant. It lived. I enjoyed it. I learned from it. It was well taken care of for some reason. I The reason I'm saying this is because I have tomato plants that have made no tomatoes this year and they look gorgeous. I've fertilized, I've watered, I've shade clothed. I mean, they just haven't. Other ones have, right? We've had tomatoes and cucumbers this summer. Yes. My little yard, as I like to call it. So I don't just like kick myself and go like, well, that's it. Fuck it. I'm not gardening anymore because that tomato plant failed and I failed and I didn't figure it out and screw it. This is a waste of my time and blah. I'm more like, hmm, rubbing my tips of my fingers together like, a, you know, like, oh, what can I do the next time? On the next plant that takes it one step further to do the thing, a different thing. Maybe next time it'll have tons of stuff all over it, but it dies really fast. Or it looks really sickly, but it makes 10 tomatoes. I don't know. Who knows? I just don't like the... And there are different... I'm not talking about like if you're running an Olympic race and the person in front of you is faster than you. Yes, you failed to be faster than the fastest per... To be the fastest person. That, to me, is a competition, is a different thing. In life, with relationships or friendships or people or work, depending on the work, this constant idea of you either succeed or you fail and there's nothing in between. And when you fail, which is 90% of the time, because it's life, we all just have to constantly deal with it. And I think like that's bullshit. Well said. Well, well I mean, it wasn't, but hopefully someone will, you know, catch what I'm throwing. All right, so ascully.com is the place you can get this podcast, anchor.fm slash after the show, Spotify, Amazon Music, all the places podcasts are available. We're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Ascully is me. Sid Talk is you. I was going to say Twitter is you. But no. <laughs> Twitter is me. I like that. Twitter is me, even though I don't like Twitter. And uh, email feedback to me, ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't care for your emails. Mm, depends on what you're saying stay classy Rebecca Hall great performance here made the movie for me and I'm gonna say think for yourself or someone will do it for you